and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. I leaned over to Tyler during worship and I was like, man, I'm starting to like the 6 more than the a.m. There's just something for me that's like so beautiful about a group of people that are just hungry. Here's the thing, right? We sing a lot of songs in this house about ministering to the Lord no matter who's in the room. But because every time we gather in the room, there's always a lot of people. It's like sometimes there's something so beautiful about having the opportunity to align yourself with what you sing. And so tonight when we were, when we were worshiping the Lord, I just felt like he, his pleasure and his delight as we were pursuing him. And Pastor Tyler was actually talking about Mary. And actually tonight I, wanted, I was going to talk about, I am going to talk about her. But I had notes before he got up here, so I'm not copying him. This was my message, but I said it this morning. I want to talk about extravagant love and devotion to Jesus. And part of why I love the 6 p.m. is I, I believe it's giving us an opportunity to dive deeply, deeply, deeply into who God has called us to be as abide. Like if you were here, how many of you were here when we were at Life Church? Maybe just you two. Uh, when they came tonight, I was like, man, you're going to remember. I remember when it was just like 15 of us in the room and we were talking about loving on Jesus. And that being enough to build a community of people that are passionately pursuing him. And so for me, I'm like, I'm back home. Like, if we could just get a few people believing that Jesus is beautiful enough to stare at, I believe it will transform everything. We're looking, for, we're looking for the answers to how do we break out of hardness of heart? And how do we come out of complacency and this coldness? It can only happen by beholding him. Are you alive? Listen, I, I really firmly believe this. I'm going to go through, through some of these stories of extravagant devotion. I'm going to take my time because I believe that the Lord is looking for something. We started off our school a couple of, I think this is our third week now, fully given. And I started the school by, by, by showing them that God is looking for something. And in first, Second Chronicles 16, 9, it says this, The eyes of the Lord are searching the whole earth in order to strengthen. That word strengthen means to come and to build. It's an, it's an inner strengthening. It's like it, it comes from the inside out. He's, he's searching the whole earth, which means he's looking for a people. And he's looking for people to strengthen them. But, but he's looking for a people whose hearts are fully committed. Whose hearts are fully given to him. And sometimes in these environments, I was with at, at um, Kansas City with, actually, Bruno was with me. And... and Michael Miller was talking about how the Lord will put you in positions where you die and you die and you die. And it's not a sin thing. It's not about die. Like we know when Christ delivered us, he really did deliver us. We can agree on that, right? But as God is leading us and guiding us into the person that he's called us to be, there are things that can't go along on the journey. And so at the 6 p.m., I just feel like God is stripping. He's stripping and he's purifying and he's molding us into who he wants us to be. Where it's like we're not singing songs about you being more glorified in, in a room and, and us not step into that with full hearts. With full hearts. So I want to share a couple of things I believe the Lord is doing right now. And the first thing is this. I believe in this generation the Lord is restoring the first commandment to the first place. Do you hear me? Like we hear a lot about the first commandment. What's the greatest, the first commandment? But I believe he is restoring the first commandment to the first place. And environments like this where we're singing songs to Jesus and there's not the natural hype of a room, you get to find out what's really inside. 
Listen, we were just at a conference. There was thousands of people. It's easy to worship when you got upper room in front of you with a thousand people and pour out your heart. But what Jesus is moving us into is can you get to that place when it's just you and your car? Can you get to that place with Jesus when there's nobody else leading you, when it's, when it's purely his leadership that's drawing you into a place of intimacy? He's restoring first commandment to first place. What is the first commandment? That we would love him with all of our hearts, with all of our mind, with all, of, with all that we are, that we would love him. Not just with our words. Not just with our money, but I'm talking about everything that we are. Will you allow the Lord to lead you on a journey where you're fully captivated by him? It's the invitation. Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord with all of your heart. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the kingdom doesn't work when God's people don't, don't see this as essential. It doesn't work. Mike Bickle made a statement that, that blew my mind. He said, in the kingdom of God quite often the last thing talked about is God. It's like we, we talk about everything and we make, we make Christianity. I watched, I watched Michael Miller stand on a stage and talk about the early days of Upper Room. And this is not about Michael Miller, but this is a lesson for all of us. He talked about in the early days when God would blow on their meetings and there was just a few people with an iPod listening and worshiping Jesus. And as he's talking about those early days where they would wrestle with what does God want? How can we please him? He starts crying on the stage. He starts crying. And I'm just like, whoa. And he says, sorry, I'm having a moment because I've realized how complicated things have gotten. And I don't know about you, man, but like I'm on this journey of trying to simplify. There's a lot of things, a lot, of, a lot around deconstructing our faith. What people really want is a Jesus they can touch. The deconstruction is about simplicity, about can I really see a man? Is he really enough? Can I really trust him? Does he really satisfy? Sometimes we come into rooms and the temperature of the room will, will, will determine how far in we go. And we have to ask ourselves, who are we worshiping? <laughs> like, what are we really doing? I ask the Lord, Lord, let my heart be pure when, like, when, when we come before you, whether there's a thousand people or three in a room, let my adoration for you be the same. Let my worship, my praise, and it's not about having, like, we want the whole region. There will come a day where this whole region will be transformed by Jesus. It's going to happen. I just, I believe it. But it has to be a people who love him above all else above money, above social status, above buildings, above resources. It's him. It's him. So I'm, I'm going to go through, through this extravagant devotion. And Pastor Tyler was talking about this woman that we talk about so often here called Mary. And I just want to take us to Luke 10. I'm going to walk us quickly through a couple of scriptures, and then I'm going to give us a chance to respond. But in Luke 10, 38, this is a scripture that's been pivotal to this house. And as long as you're here, you're always going to hear it. It's not going to go away. It's not going anywhere. It's, it's, it's here and it's going to remain here because it's pivotal for us. Luke 10, 38 says, a certain woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. I want to make something really clear on the beginning of the scripture. When we read this scripture, oftentimes we picture Mary sitting at Jesus' feet 
and Martha busy, but I want to make clear to you that both started at the feet of Jesus. It wasn't like they both started in the same position. So they're both sitting at Jesus' feet and they're, and, and they're receiving his words, but Martha was distracted with much serving. For me, that word could say ministry. I don't know what that word means for you, but I know she was distracted by something. And she approached him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. So she's making accusations towards the Lord, not, not just accusations. She's telling Jesus what to do. I mean, it's a rough place to be. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled, bothered about many things. But one thing, say one thing. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part. And it will not be taken away from her. So we see Mary, this young woman, she's only mentioned a few times, but we get invited into the storyline where Jesus is reclining at a table and there were two that started off at his feet, but one had to get up and she became distracted. And the distractions and the preoccupations with what she thought Jesus wanted got in the way of what Jesus was really wanting to receive, which was adoration, attention. And she comes and she begins to make accusations at Jesus. Don't you care? How many of you know Jesus cares? <laughs> There's anybody in the world that cares? It's Jesus. But when we begin to, to do things outside of God's will, we begin to make assumptions about God that's not God. And he comes at her and he says, Martha, you are distracted. You are troubled. How many of you know trouble happens on the inside? She's troubled. But, but here's Mary. And she's sitting at the feet. You just got to contrast it. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's receiving his word. For us today, man, it's an invitation to come before the Lord. How many of you know this word is alive? It's active. This is, listen, listen this is the only book where you get to sit down and the author come and explain to you what's in the book. <laughs> I've read many books, but I've, I've, I, I never had John Bevere come into my office and go, let me explain that to you. It's the only book, matter a step further, it's the only book, only book that must be read with the author. Apart from the author being present, there can be no understanding of what's happening in this book. Bro, just, just stop for a few minutes because I'm wanting to preach to the rhythm of the, of the keys. It's this, it's this inner thing start rapping here in a second so 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 we must talk we must talk to the lord but we must not just talk to him we must receive from him listen to me the lord wants to speak to you and part of what the engagement with mary because there were many people that sat before the lord i find it interesting that jesus listen jesus could have called the good part anything if i was jesus my good part well, probably would have been the Sermon on the Mount. I'm standing on a hill. There's thousands of people. Jesus has been doing miracles. He's got it going on. But Jesus didn't consider Matthew 5 the good part. He categorized the good part by having the full attention and devotion of a woman. Some of us will want to bypass this. Like, oh, well, does it really take all that? I believe for what's coming it does. I believe the reason that we have so many people that are burnt out in affairs, watching pornography, and giving themselves to lesser lovers is because we've lost the art of beholding. 
when, when you really boil it all the way down, it's like Jesus isn't really enough for us. And we don't believe he satisfies. So maybe if I can get enough people to a class or this, or you categorize, maybe if I can have enough money, but Jesus is looking for a people that will sit at his feet and receive from him. So he declares the good part, and I believe we must also choose it. But he doesn't only declare it the good part. He says it will not be taken away from her. There are lots of things that can be taken away from you. How many of you learned, like, it got a little scary, like, when COVID, I'm like, what's about to go down? But the one thing that cannot be taken away from me is my history with the Lord. Your ministry can go, your money can go, your house can go, your, free, your freedom can go. But the history that you are corporately building with the Lord now cannot be taken away from you. And this, this, are, are you with me? This, I want you to see. I know it's a woman, and for men this is hard. Well, when I sit at the feet of Jesus, it's not about, it's not about metaphysically, it's about a posture of heart. I choose you above all else. So I want to go here now to, to Mark chapter 14. And in Mark chapter 14, you find a similar story. She's there in Bethany, the house of Simon, and he sat, it says, he sat at a table and a woman, Mary, came having an alabaster flask, very costly, of oil. And she broke the flask and she poured it on his head. Some of the disciples were indignant and said, why was this oil wasted? It might have been sold for 300 denarii a year's wage. Pastor, I just talked about this, and given to the poor. And the disciples, they criticized her sharply. And Jesus said, leave her alone. I want you to see how Jesus came to the defense of this extravagant act of worship. I believe in the coming time, where we, are, we are in a time where celebrity Christianity is dying. And what God is looking for is people who have oil. He has his eyes on this. It's no longer going to be like a, a 12 steps to get your life better. It's like, do you got oil or not? Do you got oil or not? Do you, and what are you doing with your oil? Man, I had a dream last year when all this stuff was going on. I went into the dream and I walked into the parable. Of the, in my dream, the parable of the foolish virgins. And I knew exactly where I was. And there was a frantic desperation in my spirit. And I walked into the, up to the foolish virgins who were asleep. And I started to shake them in my dream. Shake them. And they would wake up and immediately slumber down the wall. I'd pick them up and shake them. And soon enough, man, sure enough, according to the scripture, I heard the procession. And I knew it was too late. And this is the situation that we're going to find ourselves in. It's not going to be about how much money you have, how many followers, how much this, how big your ministry. Do you have oil? And what are you pouring it out on? Come on, what are you wasting your life on? It's like if I'm going to waste my life on anything, it's going to be on Jesus. And according to this, according to this story, you've got to know that it's costly. It costed her a year's wages to pour it out on his feet. It was costly for her. And I know we don't want to talk about paying a price and all of this stuff, but I'm telling you, he's looking for a people. And Jesus' leadership and his way is very seldom our way. Can you agree with me on this? His way is not our way. But as I look back on my life, everything that I went through got me to here. And I'm not looking to build a church. I'm looking to build a people. 
a people who have prioritized. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get oil in the secret place, but I'm going to get oil not for the sake of ministry. Listen to me. Many have, we've made oil all about ministry and having something to give people. We've got to transition the oils for him. The oils for him. It's to pour on his feet because he's worthy of it. You're like, what about people? They're not your people. They're his people. And he's a good steward of his people. Oh, I was talking to somebody about Jalen today. Jalen, he's my intern. I've been running with him for a while. But I asked him one day, like, hey, man, when did you get saved? And I'm like, maybe it was a worship moment. Man, we got awesome worship. Maybe it was a wor- or maybe it was a message. I asked him, man, when did you get saved? He's like, well, there was one day, bro, where we were doing worship in a shofar blew. And that's when I knew I had to get right with God. I'm like, well, okay, it had nothing to do with us whatsoever. <laughs> like, nothing. Like, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, like, God is, a, he's, he's big enough. It's like if we make much of him, he will make much of our house. That's why we're building him a house. That's why the priority is like, what, what do you want, God? You can have whatever you want. And I was talking to Pastor Tyler about this. Some of the things that we're walking through right now, as a staff, as a leadership, maybe you are a direct correlation of the prayers we have prayed. Yeah. Like when you say, God, take my whole life and do whatever you want, he will. Yeah. He will. And he'll prune and he'll press. But, but what will come through that pruning and the pressing is something beautiful that can be poured back out on him. Don't despise what he's doing in this season. And the reality is for us, for me and for you, we're either on one side of the story or the other. There's no middle ground. Either we are the ones pouring the oil on the feet of Jesus or we're on the other side going, what a waste. I'm not, it's not an indictment. I've been there. Like, uh, listen, we've been here four years. There are people who sit here every week and they're like, why am I here? Why does this matter? And it's because we have devalued, we have devalued the ministry of his feet. There's no greater ministry than the feet of Jesus. I don't care about your lights, your budget, it's a bunch of crap. There's no greater ministry than the feet of Jesus. And when we stand before him, I believe we have to give account for how much time we gave to lesser lovers. And for things, so, so, so watch, it was costly. I just want you to understand, when you pour your oil out on Jesus, there are things that come with that. It's going to cost you something. You will be criticized. How many of you have been criticized? Me and Boone, not Boone. How many They said, why this waste? Why this waste? But Jesus said, let her alone. She's doing a good work. And listen, Jesus ties the preaching of the gospel forever to this act. He didn't tie it to a miracle. He tied it to extravagant devotion. Are you with me? The the last story I want to go to is, is Luke 7. This is actually another story of extravagant worship. I'm just, I was just trying to think of moments that have gripped my heart as I've been reading the scripture. And here you see another one that's different. This was actually a, a, a different story. But it says this, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went into his home and sat down to eat. So Jesus is at the table. 
When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume, and she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them with her hair, and she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When a Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman is touching him, for she's a sinner. And then Jesus goes into a parable about forgiveness. We've read this, right? And he talks about what it looks like. If you've been forgiven much, you must forgive much. But then I want you to see that he readdresses, he readdresses what's going on. He doesn't just move into the parable. He explains the fundamental issue. So, so let's, let's get the story straight. Jesus is invited by a Pharisee into the house. And this is what I love about Jesus. He always accepts, he always accepts the invitation. I don't believe, like, we demonize Pharisees a lot in the church, and I get it, but I believe this man right here genuinely wanted to know who is this Jesus. He invited Jesus into the house, and in the midst of his dinner, walks a prostitute. (laughs) And she breaks the box, and she begins to pour it out, and everybody's watching the response of a woman, and they're offended by this act. Jesus goes into a parable of forgiveness, and then he readdresses the issue in verse 40. 30, 44, he says, and then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. He puts, he puts the emphasis back on her. When I entered your home, you didn't offer water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Verse 45, you didn't greet me with a kiss, But from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You have neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. And then watch this. He addresses what they didn't do and what she did. And then he says this, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, (laughs) have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who has forgiven little shows little love. Then he said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And again, they're offended. What's, what's the point I'm getting at? I believe Jesus in showing them, in showing them what they didn't give, he was wanting to address what he was willing to receive from them. The woman walks in, and she begins to pour out. She begins to pour out, and she begins to pour out. And people are offended. You have to know that in this time, for her to be in a room with these men, it was offensive. It was scary. It was all kinds of things. But she was locked in on the person she was, <laughs> she was in love. She had seen something in Jesus that had made, I believe this is what happens. When you lock eyes with Jesus, everything else disappears. It's like all the accusations, all the insecurities, all of the sin issues that would, that would distance us. And she brings the Lord something. She brings the Lord her tears, which I believe looks like her bringing her brokenness. It's like she's bringing her broken, her brokenness, all of her faults before the Lord. I want you to see that Jesus receives this. He receives her tears. He receives her kisses, which signify affection, love, adoration. (laughs) She pours out her oil, which signifies her resources. And then he looks at this woman and he says,
says to her, your sins are forgiven. In verse 50, here's something that's mind-blowing. Jesus said to her, your faith has saved you. What did she do? Like, what, what was the great act of faith that brought her wholeness? That word saved is wholeness. It's like, it's, it's total and complete. It's, the word there is sozo. It's physical, emotional, emo, spiritual healing hit her in that moment. All she did was bring herself. This is why I'm saying it's like we complicate. It's like I have had to fight so hard. I've had to fight so hard in the ministry to keep it simply about loving Jesus. And if it's that way for me, I can't even imagine what it's like. Like all of the pressures and all of the things, it's like, can we just simplify where we come into a room that's full of religious people and not care about what they say? We're like, I'm just, I'm just here for you. And I'm, and I'm going to bring you my brokenness, my disappointments, my failures. I'm going to bring you my love, my adoration, my kisses. I'm going to... I'm going to bring you my resources, my family, everything that I have. Like, I'm just going to bring it to you. Why? Because I know that there's an exchange that's going to happen. And it's going to be wholeness. I've seen so many people withhold from the Lord because they've, they're disappointed. It's like they've made mistakes. And it's like God is like, just bring me that disappointment. Just bring me that pain. Just, just like, like will, you, will you convert that shame into an offering and allow him to have it? And will you hear the, the words of the Lord, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. I believe, I believe this is what the Lord is looking for. A, a people, like I'm going to hammer this down in the PM service. I'm going to hammer down this first commandment being first place. Like, I believe that, that, that literally this region can be transformed if God can find 30 people in a room that would say, I'm just going to learn to love you with my whole heart. I, uh, Pastor Tyler shared with me one time on this journey that, that he was on where he felt like, I want to love Jesus, but I don't know how. How many of you ever felt that way? I just don't know what it looks like to love him. And for a year, he came into his prayer closet, and he just asked the Lord, will you teach me how to love you? Could you imagine, like, how dynamically different your time with the Lord would be if it wasn't a list of petitions and how much of a sinner you are? And it was like, can you just teach me how to love you today? I just, I just want to love you today because I know that I messed up yesterday, but I'm going to bring that to you, and I'm going to receive wholeness, and I'm not going to carry shame. Are you alive? I'm not going to carry shame and guilt, but I'm believing that you want to transform my life, my family, your region, so I'm not going to live under that. I'm not going to make my life about building anything other than a house for you. Listen, the premise of building God a house is not building him a building here on this property. It's that you would become a house. You understand this? The ultimate end goal would not be that we built a bigger campus and now we have a bigger house. Like, that's coming. God's, God's going to do all that. But it would be that, that you would be a dwelling place for the Lord. That Jesus would look at you and say, man, I found a place that I could dwell. And that we would come together as a people that are dwelling places of the Lord. And we all, the words as we become living, he's building us all together as living stones into a house. 
but it has to be a people who are fully captivated by him. There can be no compromise on the wall. It's like we're inviting everybody in. Everybody, everybody can play, but it has to be first commandment in first place. Are you with me? Hey, Cub, you can come back now, bro. Now, now we can hit the beat. <laughs> I just want to give us, this is perfect. I just want to give us a few minutes to respond to this. It would be really stupid of me to speak a message like this and not just give us time to respond. And so I just want to say this. There's, there's really no expectation around what this is supposed to look like. Like much of my ministry anymore, our ministry, his ministry, is creating moments for you to engage with Jesus. I'm thankful for the moments where we get to pray and, and, and do all that stuff. But it's like, man, if you can, if you can touch the hem of his garment, everything will change. There was something about that woman that touched the hem of his garment that, that changed every, what, what no doctor or money could do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love you guys so much. I want to pray for us. Let's, let's just stand. Let's just change our position. Maybe we just give the Lord 15 minutes and we just tangibly pour our oil on him. I just want to encourage you. Some of us have comfort zones. For some of us, it's like we feel comfortable being loud. Some of us feel comfortable being quiet. Let's not do comfortable tonight. Let's just not do that. Comfort's gotten us <laughs> to this. And I love this, but there's so much more than this. There is so much more than this. Father, I pray right now that you would remove every distraction. Father, I don't know what trouble people are dealing with. What's the distraction? Like Martha, there's many things. But I just ask that you would make many things turn into a one thing tonight. <laughs> Jesus, I'm coming here tonight just... This is for me. I just ask that you would restore all and wonder. All and wonder. If the angels around your throne are still crying, holy, 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 and astounded, I'm asking for that. Father, for any of us that have found ourselves making accusations towards the Lord, you should have done this and why don't you do that? Have mercy, Lord. Help us. Because we really do want to get to a place where it's like, man, your leadership is perfect. It's perfect. We just, we give you those things tonight. I just want to say sometimes we, we say like, well, God, you take it. I believe we're in a place where Jesus is like, no, 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 you give it. You give it.
I believe that in these next few moments, the Lord can do something deep in hearts. He can mark you. And I believe like that woman in Luke, you can go in peace tonight. It's available. It's available. But you got to give something. So Jesus, have grace and mercy. Show us how to love you tonight.
to the invitation to first love. Oh, it's not just words, Lord. Show us what has to get out of the way. Thought patterns, ideals, all of it, God, whatever it is that's in the way, we want to receive love from you. Thank you that you are near. I just rebuke that thing, man, that's telling you that God, God, the Lord is far. You don't feel him. You don't sense him. It's a lie. Your promise, Father, is that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us.
outside of his presence and him being first place will bring confusion. Listen to me. Things will get muddy and convoluted. So if you're sitting with your journal, I just feel like this is important. If you're sitting with your journal and you're like, man, things just feel confusing. I don't know what's going on. My life feels out of balance and disarray. You have to simplify. And you have to get back to his face. It's, it's mercy that there's not clarity outside of that. You hear me? It's him cornering you and saying, I will have you. You will be mine. <laughs> so just fully say yes. I just like, I've been there. It's like, God, I just feel like I have no control. What's going on? Bring clarity. And he's like, but you're doing everything but looking at me. So let's, so let's pray our hands on our hearts. Father, I bless every person here. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Father, just go all the way. All the way. I pray for every heart. I thank you that you hold every heart. So, Father, lead and guide, restore, renew, refresh. Whatever's needed, Father, we just, we pray a blessing over them. That they would not see this type of a message as a yoke, but an invitation. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to give ourselves to something better. We want to be lovers. Not just doers, we want to be lovers. Love requires proximity, so Father, just draw near to every person as they draw near to you and let them sense you, feel you. Bless them with dreams, visions, visitations that would mark them. Father, I thank you that you finish every good thing you start. So we look forward to hearing of the testimony of what you've started tonight. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen.